Well, good morning. Thank you uh, for uh, being here on a cold morning this morning and for allowing the uh, shepherds uh, to share with you some of our thinking, uh, issues that we are addressing and, and dealing with, and just uh, some of our uh, things that we think are important for, for this church. Uh, over the course of the three weeks, we uh, started out dealing at a kind of a high level, God's expectations for us in a turbulent world and just the issues that are hitting us from all sorts of directions and what is the Christian response and particularly uh, how should we as individual Christians and as a church respond. Uh, and then the second week, we looked at... Uh, specific examples from the Bible and how Jesus responded and how the early church responded. And as we indicated today, we're focusing on two issues. One is uh, civil discourse, and we know we live in a world where uh, often that doesn't happen. Uh, we want to look at that and think about it across a, uh, just the, the whole spectrum of everything from politics to uh, just our daily lives, and as well as how we deal with differences within the, the church. And the second thing is around sexual integrity. Uh, and that's a broad subject, a broad issue, sometimes hard to talk about. Some of you may be aware that the shepherds have spent uh, basically a year, uh, not full-time, obviously, we deal with a lot of different things, but studying an issue that certainly has come to the surface and is important uh, uh, in today's world, and that's the whole issue of same-sex attraction, LGBTQ issues, uh, and we want to talk about that today and just share with you a little bit what uh, our thinking is around that topic. Uh, it is obviously an issue that different people have different uh, opinions on. We want to talk about it in, uh, in, in this context. There's, there's going to be no major proclamation, so don't, uh, don't be sitting on the edge of your seat. We just want to talk about where we are, what our thinking is, and uh, where the, the shepherds are on that topic. And the broader, we're not just picking that one topic, but sexual, sexual integrity covers uh, a lot of ground, obviously. So we'll do just a, kind of a quick review, as indicated, the three weeks that we've been through, and today examining uh, contemporary case studies, being faithful to God's plan, and living with grace and love to others. Those two things are really important, both being faithful to God's plan and living with grace and love to others. And sometimes those seem to kind of collide. We want to think through how do we, how do, we do both, be faithful to God's plan, uh, but do it in a way that reflects grace and love as Jesus' life is so, uh, so greatly uh, exemplified. Uh, we want to help engage as a church uh, the turbulent culture with faithfulness and today uh, how we can live faithfully, uh, both in sexual integrity and, and in uh, civil discourse. So just, uh, again, a quick review in week one where we're talking about responding faithfully. We talk about the turbulence and brokenness. It seems to be everywhere in the world today. Uh, and I, I think we also observe that that's been true throughout the course of history. Wherever you, where, wherever you lived, it seemed like turbulent times. Today for us, it seems especially turbulent. How do we deal with it? And there's some things we'll talk about that do amplify what we're dealing with today. I uh, want to talk about uh, the will of God as sovereign. That is a basic foundation we start with. As God's people, we have to remain faithful, recognizing that God's will is sovereign. Uh, our faithfulness 
is a witness to the world. We can't be a witness to the world if we are not faithful ourselves. And uh, we remember the four, in week two, the four <coughs> examples that we looked at. Uh, the Samaritan woman at the well, the woman caught in adultery, and how Jesus responded to those two specific examples. Just a dramatic example of how sometimes we respond as, as people, but how Jesus dealt with those two very specific situations. And then how the early church came together at the Jerusalem Council and dealt with a very difficult issue and, and discerned the appropriate approach to move forward with that uh, issue of how to deal with the Gentiles who were coming to follow Jesus and then how Paul dealt with the Athenians. Uh, in week two, we noted uh, the trends, uh, claiming moral superiority as not becoming of a Jesus follower. It's real easy to come across like that. It's real easy to, to be like that, and that's not where we want to be. Uh, grace requires listening well. That's what Paul did when he went to Athens. He studied their culture. He understood who they were, where they were. Uh, forgiveness and grace always trump Legalism, hashtag Reed Collins. Uh, we talked about that being a, just an important principle that we all, and Reed is sitting in the back today. Reed, you're normally over here. What happened? I know. It was the ball game last night. That was, that was it. He's sitting, at least he doesn't have a sack over his head. I don't, I don't know whether, uh, how many of you are basketball fans, but there was supposed to be a basketball game last night, but it really didn't go too well. Civil discourse. Uh, I may have to take a lesson in that. <laughs> Don't lose your credibility. I know, I know. You have to understand, I'm a big Vanderbilt fan too, so. Uh, uh, we should not uh, write barriers for those turning to God. That was kind of the verse that we ended on uh, last week, and I, I think that is a, that's just a critical verse. It wasn't in the memory verse list that, uh, that I had. I'm not sure how many of you had that as a memory verse, but and this is from Acts 15 and 19. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. That is just an important principle and one that uh, should guide, uh, guide us as we, as we deal with these difficult issues. And then uh, God's truth remains intact. Also in week two, uh, we were called to offer love and grace to the world around us. And our witness to the world is limited by our ability to show love and grace. So we have to, uh, we obviously have to do that in our daily walk and as a church reflecting uh, who we are in this, uh, in this community. So today we're going to start where we started back at the, the very beginning talking about a turbulent world. Remember we looked at these, I guess these six <coughs> things. Uh, uh, outrage versus persuasion, the lack of civility that we see around us, red versus blue. Uh, and this is not just a, a phenomenon in, in the U.S. This morning I was reading about uh, the gathering in Davos and just how around the whole globe, and, and obviously Britain is dealing with just very divisive uh, issues around uh, Brexit. And in France there are the yellow vests protest, and it's just uh, around the globe we're seeing this type of polarization. 
violence in our cities, mass shootings, and then sexual abuse, violence, sexual scandals, not only in, in the secular workplace, but in the church, and certainly a lot in the Catholic Church. When you look at those, they break down, obviously, into two categories that are our primary uh, focus uh, today. As we start the discussion of uh, sexual integrity, which is, is where we'll start, we want to start with James 4.10. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. We certainly do not come to this topic with all the answers. Uh, we certainly do not come to this topic. To, uh, there are, I guess, four of us elders in the room this morning. Kevin, I believe, is in the jungle of Guatemala, so we should have prayed for Kevin. I mentioned that in the, in the closing prayer. Uh, we certainly do not come with, uh, with all the answers, uh, but, and we certainly do not come as, as perfect people around uh, these issues. They're really uh, tough issues and how we apply them in our lives. So uh, please know that uh, we understand these are tough topics and, and we do not always live up to them, and we as a church have to approach it with, uh, with humility. First of all, we start with the value of persons and marriage. And we're going to talk about marriage quite a bit uh, because we, we certainly elevate marriage. Otter Creek has done a lot about marriage, but I believe the stats, and some of you may know better than I, I believe it's about 50% of people who attend Otter Creek are not married. Uh, so it is, we're speaking not just to the married population, but to those who are not married, many of whom obviously are, we have a huge... Uh, children and teen uh, population, but also a lot of a lot of singles. Uh, and so, as we address this topic, we are speaking to both both uh, populations, both those that are married and the issues around sexual integrity there, and also issues around sexual integrity uh, when you're when you're single. And we want to be sure that we we certainly uh, that we convey that. But we start with this principle, and it is absolutely the foundation of where we start on this topic. And that is, all people bear the image of God. And when we say all, we mean all. That's whether you're tall or short, whether you are Hispanic, black, white, uh, Asian, whatever the ethnicity, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, whatever describes you, and there are lots of things that describe all of us, all of us are made in the image of God. Genesis 1.27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He didn't say he created some of them in his image. He created mankind in his own image. So we start with that assumption. That's really an important assumption that every single person, the value of the person, the value of the human being is foundational as we approach issues that sometimes are divisive. All are created in the image of God. When we start with that assumption, because we're all made in the image of God, Otter Creek welcomes all on our journey to be Jesus followers. And here, all means all. Again, it's whatever your ethnicity, whatever male or female, whatever, whether your job is as the CEO of a huge company, a, a government uh, executive, or uh, 
whatever, play basketball at Vanderbilt. Uh, it is all are welcome to uh, join us on this journey at Otter Creek. Whatever the sexual orientation, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, are welcome uh, at Otter Creek. And again, that's based on bearing the image of God. We also understand, and this is foundational, that marriage is a holy covenantal relationship. There's certainly a civil aspect of marriage. So you, if you get married, you go get a, a marriage license, and you can be married in a civil ceremony. But as we approach this, this subject, we think of it as a sacrament uh, provided by God. It is a holy uh, covenantal relationship, and that is very critical as we think about uh, this subject who we are and how we approach this issue. So based on our scripture, on, on studying scripture, uh, the tradition, Judeo-Christian tradition, the history of the church, from our own communal <clears throat> discernment and wisdom, uh, we certainly discern that Jesus' followers are called to practice sexual integrity. So as we, as we address this again, going back, we're, we're talking about Single, married, we're talking about uh, whether a person, whatever a person's sexual identity, sexual orientation, this we believe is, is foundational and, and uh, sexual integrity is important for all of us. Obviously the question is what does that mean, but we start with Matthew 27, 28. Uh, you have heard that it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery uh, with her in his heart. So when Jesus came along, he set the bar really high. That, was a, that is a high bar that is put for sexual integrity in, in the type of relationship that he is uh, addressing here. So when we talk about sexual integrity, we're talking about uh, a high bar, high expectations, foundational, again, based on the fact that we're created in the, in the image of, of God. Again, from scripture and the tradition of the church, uh, we recognize that uh, Christians may uh, disagree on this, have differing views on the issue, uh, but we believe sex is reserved for marriage between a man and a woman. Uh, that has been the, the uh, Judeo-Christian tradition for, for the course of history. Uh, that is the, the view that we take as we think about, about marriage uh, and about the sexual intimacy between a man and a woman, that it is intended to be between uh, a man and a woman in a marriage context. So this means that we're all called to the sometimes difficult uh, practice of celibacy outside of marriage. Again, this is, uh, this is an issue uh, and a challenge for all of us. Again, whatever our sexual orientation is our understanding of what uh, the, the scriptures teach, what the history of the church has reinforced, what discernment over the years has said, is that uh, outside of the marriage relationship, the expectation is uh, for, for celibacy. In our authentic pursuit of Christ-likeness, we want to develop a culture of transparency and accountability around sexual integrity at Otter Creek. And what that means is we want to talk about this. 
Uh, we don't want to, for it, this morning in, what is it, seven or eight classes, uh, shepherds are standing up uh, talking about this issue openly <coughs> and addressing it, and it's something we want to continue talking about. We're not at the end of the journey. We've spent a lot of time coming to this point, working through the issues, talking about our understanding of it, but we're not at the end of the journey. We'll be spending additional time talking about exactly what does that mean then for, for being a part of, of Otter Creek, and how do you deal with specific circumstances that may uh, arise. And that's where it gets sometimes challenging, is okay, how do you deal with, if there is a, a uh, heterosexual situation where there appears to be a lack of sexual integrity, how do you deal with that? Uh, obviously we, over the course of many years, have uh, not necessarily dealt well with the challenge of, of uh, challenges of marriage and have been complicit in some sense in the failure of marriage and we want to be more intentional about, uh, about that. Uh, if, if people uh, come to Otter Creek and see Otter Creek as a place they can be if they have same-sex attraction, uh, if they're gay or uh, LGBTQ, uh, and want to be a part of Otter Creek, what does that mean? Uh, and as we get into and delve into specific applications, uh, uh, that's just some hard work we have to do, specific <laughs> circumstances that, are, that arise related to uh, uh, membership, leadership roles will be uh, just like they are in, in heterosexual, homosexual type situations will be addressed and, and decided by the, the elders. But this is, this is where we are at this point in time on the subject. Uh, and again, we think it's important <coughs> that, we, uh, that we talk about it openly. Uh, again, the importance of sexual integrity cannot be overstated. If you look at Mark 7, it says, uh, he went on, this is Jesus, what comes out of a person is what defiles them, for it is from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile the person. So our intention in talking about this is not to elevate it above other sins. If you look, it's in a list with envy. Uh, it's in a list with murder. It is something that sexual integrity is important. In 1 Corinthians 6.18, uh, it does elevate it in some sense. He says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. And then he goes on to talk about the body being the, the temple of God. So it is, it is, again, one of many things that all of us are challenged with. But in a, in a sense, it's elevated, at least in, as when we look at uh, 1 Corinthians. Flee from the appearance of impropriety in the workplace, and that obviously is significant. We talked about the problems within churches, both Protestant and Catholic <coughs> churches. Here at Otter Creek, there are, uh, there are uh, attention to ministers and how to be sure that uh, 
do not get in compromising situation as elders. There, there are guidance around being sure if uh, to not end up one-on-one -on -one in the prayer room, the door closed with a, as an, a male, as an elder, uh, that there are two elders there, or an elder goes and gets his wife, and just the little things that are important to be sure that do not get in uh, those kind of compromising situations. Uh, and then use your influence to encourage sexual integrity in others, and avoid entertainment media that includes sexual thought or uh, desensitizes you to uh, sexual sin. Obviously, media and entertainment are just, uh, uh, it pervades it, the problem of pornography. Uh, all of us know that that is a, and maybe we don't know what a, what a tragedy that is and how many people it affects. It is certainly, absolutely a, uh, a critical issue and, and something that uh, uh, is, uh, is not limited to a few, uh, few people. So that is, uh, that's the, the thinking where we are as, a, as an eldership uh, and thinking about the subject of sexual integrity. We want to talk about civil discourse, but I want to just pause here and ask what questions you have, what thoughts, or your reaction uh, to, uh, to the discussion to this point. But was there... Is there any hesitancy amongst the group of elders uh, to make some statement on this at all? You know, like, why are we making some statement on one particular category or one particular issue and going over it in such great detail? It's one of our big topics here at, you know, across all these classes. In, it, what if you plopped in greed instead? Are we monitoring the greed of our people? Are we monitoring the sexuality of our married heterosexuals? Are we are a group of men monitoring all the sexuality of the people that walk in the door and following it along and guiding everybody's sexuality all the time equally? Or do we have our eyes open in case there's some homosexual person that walks in? On the panel that decides what we believe was there a homosexual person? Were there any women? You know, you know, they, all that bothers me at times. Just to be honest, I'm a pediatrician and I'm trained differently than all of that. I've also encountered that there's babies born with ambiguous genitalia. They don't have a clear phenotype, and people have to assign them a gender. I mean, we're not. Did, you, did that come up in the group? You know. I don't yeah. think so, but... <laughs> no, absolutely did. All this stuff bothers me. No, I, we had a... Let me, let me just address that one thing, and then I want to address the... the I threw you a softie. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> no, that, those, are, those are legitimate, great questions. Your last point, we absolutely did. In fact, we had a whole session with... He's actually one of the leading authorities, I think, in the world come and speak to the uh, medical doctor, I think at Vanderbilt, 
uh, address that, and obviously one of our elders is a pediatrician. So that very topic absolutely was part of the, the discussion, and it is eye-opening to those of us who are not trained in medicine. I can, I can tell you, it is uh, understanding, when, when we start this topic and you start digging into it, it is a, it's a tough topic, it's, it's not easy answers. And your point there about the, the medical side of it, there are certainly advances and understanding of that that didn't exist several years ago that provide uh, light on the, the issue that we have to take into account as we address the issue. So that is an absolute critical point, and we absolutely did. There's also high, high suicide rates. Absolutely. You know, that would be my primary focus. Absolutely. That is mine in my clinic. And David Rubio and has reminded... Is, sure, yeah, no doubt. David, David Rubio, and obviously the... Uh, in the, the teen ministry, that is a huge issue. And David has reminded of us of that, the both Davids. Actually, one of the reasons we're talking about this is parents, it is an issue that they're concerned about and want to address. And with the, the teens, the sexual identity issues are, are significant issues. So absolutely. The thing we don't want to do, and here's where we get into a dilemma, that, that you raised is even talking about it then opens up to your elevating this above other sins. And we do not want to do that. And we very specifically would acknowledge that, that heterosexual uh, issues around sexual integrity are a much bigger issue for us than the issues around same-sex attraction and homosexuality and then all the other sins. But we do want to talk about it because it is an important issue for people in this church, and the, the other side of it is we just take a blind eye and do not acknowledge it. So our dilemma is if we talk about it, we're elevating it. If we don't talk about it, we're not addressing a significant issue. We chose to talk about it, but we want to talk about it in the context of the broader topic. And, and your questions and issues are things that, that we, it's not that we struggle with, we still struggle with. Uh, that and they're important issues, and we'll still be wrestling with them. I would probably say why it's elevated for discussion purposes, not on the concept of sin. That's about my favorite. Um, is that it, for, there's a history of discrimination uh, in the workforce and other places, uh, and outright just derogatory terminology. So that's probably why it does. That, that, that is not only on the um, the LBG, community, but also in sexual harassment, so we're seeing a lot of that, and that's probably why it's elevated to this. Not that, again, above my pay grade, but I don't think envious people have been prejudiced against or been harassed, per se, even though that is on, in God's mind, and an equal plane. Sure. In, 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 the, in the real world we live in, in the workplace, in the community we live in, that's what we, because we have, you know, many of us have friends that are gay. Many of us have friends that have been sexually harassed, <clears throat> and so we know that you know that's we have to live in that reality. That's, that's why right. I think it's been elevated. That's right. Okay, great points. Thank you. Other comments or thoughts? I'll just say that one thing that struck me when we were talking, one of the reasons that we started coming to Otter Creek was here are the pillars, you know, the, the, the pillar talk, you know, and, and um, that here's what we believe but you're welcome to be here. We love you no matter what. And, and I appreciate that's where you started was wherever you are. We, you know, just Josh's sermon this morning, you, we are God's masterpiece 
whoever you are, whatever you, you, you are, and you're welcome here. Um, you know, just a really short story. My, my mom, who's living down in Florida, I don't know, 15 years ago, hadn't been to church forever, started going to a little church, and said, all right, what I need to do to become a member, they wouldn't let her be a member because she's divorced. She divorced my, my dad and has now been married to my stepdad for you know, 20 years at the time. And they told her, you have to get divorced from him <laughs> to be a member. And I go, that kind of rubbed me a little bit wrong. Um, and I appreciate that about Otter Creek because that's not the way that, that we are. So. And that's, we want to be open and welcoming. It's, it's back to that honor truth, but we also, in, a, in, in doing that, want to be a, provide grace and welcoming to, to everyone. We're all on a journey. We're all uh, trying to understand how we can uh, be Jesus followers in, in the, the best sense of that word. And it's, uh, we have, we have different opinions on that, uh, but how do we come together? The, the uniqueness of Otter Creek to some extent has been our ability, as you described, to come together with different views and to be together, to have disagreements with civil discourse, the last, last thing that we want to cover just, to, just quickly in a moment. As we process this as a church, uh, I think we know that that different people are going to be at different places on, on these, at least some of the issues, and how it specifically it, it plays out. So I think the, the subject of civil discourse in the broader community is, uh, uh, is important, but how we deal with issues like this that can be polarizing is important within the churches as well. Uh, we know that the cycle of outrage, how it, how it works, it's fed by a mob mentality, uh, sometimes that may be a little bit overstatement, and sometimes that's the way it works. Uh, expressing outrage does not alleviate it. In fact, it incites it. You can see that cycle building. And I came in just uh, I'm happy and everything good, and someone says something, and I respond, and they respond, and then all of a sudden we're, uh, I mean, that's the basis of how a lot of movie themes, how it, how it develops. And, uh, avoiding that cycle is obviously important. Once outrage has been expressed, counter-outrage immediately begins to build and the cycle continues. Uh, what may be unique about our, where we are today is how it gets amplified uh, by us, media, bills, the mob, 24 news uh, cycle incites and accelerate the outrage cycle. That's, that's somewhat new. We didn't used to have that. And going back to the 60s and 70s, when I think of some things that seem much uh, further out, I was at Ohio State when streaking was, that was just, that was part of the culture. <laughs> that was a crazy time. Go ahead. <laughs> It was crazy, but you didn't have a 24-hour news cycle to amplify it. There was the nightly news of, what was it, three channels, basically, that covered it. Uh, and now it, it gets amplified. And then here, social media provides the forum for outrage and counter-outrage to build. 
So it's not only you have the media that's, that's hitting you, you can actually take that and personalize it and, and announce to the world your view on it and then have 15 people tell you how crazy you are in the cycle. <laughs> we didn't have that. In the, we'd sit around maybe with some friends and talk about what was happening, but it was a, it was a, uh, a different world. I think that is different to, today. In, in Ephesians 4, 1 through 6, um, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There's one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. That's uh, powerful words uh, for us. Uh, so how do we train ourselves to do that within the church, speaking with truth and love? Sometimes we see those as not the same thing. Truth and love. Uh, legalism and grace is sometimes where it, where it goes to. And how do we maintain the unity of the Spirit when we disagree about something? As Otter Creek, as a church, how do we continue our tradition of being able to disagree but come together uh, in faith and worship of Jesus. How do we do that? What's what do you see as most important? I was actually watching CBS this morning, and um, one of I can't remember her name, but Martin Luther King Jr.'s youngest daughter was being interviewed. And she was talking about the ability to be able to sit down and have a conversation without having to feel like you have to be there in the conversation. Yeah. I, I use this in work, and so I think it can work in, 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 in everything we do. Uh, it's, it's okay to be passionate and have opinions. That's We're, we're, we're human beings, and the Absolutely. Lord made us that way to do that, right? But especially in, in when you're writing, and in, like you said, in, you know, it's instantaneous now. When you write something down, you type it down, email or, or Twitter or whatever, you really need to pause before you send it. And you need to read it about three or four times. And if you really think it's going to be charged and offensive, then it is. And if you're in doubt, let someone else read it. I do that at work all the time. I'm like, read this email. Read, oh, that looks charged. Don't go there. You know, or you know, let's reword that because yeah. I, I might not have been my intent, but it can be interpreted that yeah. way. And by doing that, now the prop the problem is, I think that's great words of wisdom, but everybody wants the instantaneous thing. Mm -hmm. So what's the instantaneous give you? Like it, it really, I think we should do that when we speak, and sometimes we I, I, we mess up, right? Sure. But but when especially when you put it in word in writing. Because that can come back to haunt you, and you're gonna, you could regret it forever. Yeah. So I, I just maybe, you know, maybe we could even have a class or something. It's great. I, look, I put out emails I wish I had never done, yeah. and I learned that the hard way. It was more about work stuff. But once I started instituting that, it's been so great much point. better, and it, it really starts a good. It actually starts a good dialogue, and you get to a better, yeah. um, just a better answer instead yeah. of just being confrontational. Yeah, that's a great point. Thanks for sharing that. 
from Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 and 29. I'm just going to, to read 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. That's an important, uh, an important point for all of us. We could just stop there and we'll cover just a, a couple of quick things and we'll be done in just a minute. What does it mean to speak the truth in love and how is the church and mission of the church affected <coughs> in the world when Christians treat uh, each other poorly? We have to think about that. We know the results of that. It it's, happens over and over. One of my uh, favorite stories uh, is about a guy who was uh, stranded on an island uh, for, for months. And finally he was rescued, and he was showing his rescuers, you may have heard this, but his rescuers around the island, and he was showing them where he, he slept, a little building hut he'd created, and where he did some work, and then there was a little building, and uh, they asked what that was, and he said, no, that's, that's where I worship, that's where I go to church. And they said, well, what is that building over there? He said, that's where I used to go. So it is so... It is so easy just to end up in conflict that we do not effectively work through that. We, we have to work at that. Uh, I'm going to go through this real quickly. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. Uh, social media policy, Otter Creek, there is a social media policy for employees, for MCC, for elders in terms of how your electronic communications, basically what you were describing, should be consistent with teaching of scripture and value of, values of Otter Creek. Do not say anything <coughs> online you wouldn't say in person. Uh, also, resolve differing opinions lovingly, listen well, and do not hold tightly to your views. And you, you, There's some things we hold tightly to, but as you interact, you want to listen and hear the other, the other person's perspective, obviously. Uh, be cautious of how you engage on social media. Again, limited expressions uh, when, you, uh, when you're online, it doesn't have the nonverbal aspect, so the, the potential for <coughs> misunderstanding is, is much larger. Uh, and be, just be cautious. Try to move digital conversations to face-to-face -face interactions when you need to. And then if public dialogue gets heated, stop using a public forum and make the conversation private. Uh, and finally, Otter Creek Shepherds encourage you as people of God to live faithfully to God's will, encourage all of us with grace in the, in the world. So as we, we close the series, I, I think it's just important that all of us understand uh, that we have to deal with difficult issues, difficult topics. Uh, none of us know all of the answers, including the shepherds. We struggle to work through these issues. We would appreciate your prayers for us as we continue to work through this, that we can continue to deal, that we will approach it as Reed was talking about. This is really difficult, and you can dig into difficult topics. We want to be a welcoming church. Uh, we want to be faithful to God's word, and we want to love people. And, and sometimes we don't know how to do that uh, as effectively as we could, but we're on that journey. We're working hard to do it. We want you to be a part of it and to continue with us as we uh, continue to think through these very difficult topics. Ken's going to close us out, and we'll be happy.
Father, first of all, this morning we ask for uh, your uh, safety for Kevin as he's uh, in Central America for a few days. Be with him in the work that he does. And then finally, Father, may we indeed be completely humble and gentle. May we be patient with one another in love. May we make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. May we acknowledge that there is one body and one Spirit, one God, one faith, and one Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Forgive, forgive us of our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.